In the Diocese of Colorado, we have a wonderful diocesan camp named Cathedral Ridge near Colorado Springs and in the mountains. Every year, there's a camp called Cathedral Camp. It's occurred for many, many years. It's run by the cathedral. Most of the kids there are from St. John's, and I'm happy to have served now two years in a row as the chaplain for Cathedral Camp. One of the things that happens on the first day as a way of the cat for the cabins and for campers to get to know one another is they start talking about who has the most of something, who has the most unusual talent, who has the longest name, who has the dirtiest socks. I'm just logical things like that. And then near the end of the week, as they've built up that reservoir of wisdom and strange facts about one another, there's a game called Mostest. It is highly anticipated. Mostest down on the field. And all the cabins are there and they're grouped together and the um, counselors are there. The age span is about age eight all the way through high school and college age campers largely in charge. And for Mostest, the counselor just simply says, okay, who has the longest name? And the cabin will send a representative forward, and there is a winner to this competition. The winner of the longest name I happen to remember, her name is Anai, and she's a South Sudanese um, parishioner here who's now an American and a member of Father Ogia's parish that attends the cathedral. The most unusual talent I remember vividly, another member of the parish, a young man named Trevor O'Shea, who has a remarkable gift not everyone would consider it a gift. He can walk long distances on his toes. It is very painful looking, but shockingly graceful if you let go of how much it must hurt. One of the competitions for most of us was who could do the best impression of me. <clears throat> And a young man who's a chorister who's up in, the, uh, up in the choir this morning named Charlie Denman, he won. I thought the southern accent was a bit much. I mean, <clears throat> if not overdone. But what really got to me, it, it really did touch me, Charlie quoted from memory about three sentences, word for word, from a recent sermon. In this gospel reading, the twelve apostles are not playing a game called mostest. They're playing a game that they have invented on the spot called greatest. And their timing is just odd. Here's the context. Jesus has been explaining to them in this intimate moment in the gospel, has been explaining to them that the human one, one translation for son of man, the human one is going to be betrayed and given into hands of of other humans and killed and after three days rise again. And the 12 apostles go from that 
to arguing about which among them is the greatest. To defend them just a little bit, what greatness meant in Jesus' day and time is not exactly what it means in our day and time. Greatness had to do with honor. It was the opposite of shame. And it had to do really with a public recognition of one's value or one's worth. And who doesn't long for that? It might be most closely related not to our word for greatness or greatest, but actually to our word for dignity. A public recognition of of worth, of value, of dignity. The problem with what they're doing is not just their timing, but is that they see dignity or greatness as a zero-sum game. That is, the more one person gets, the less another person has. And Jesus has, makes a dramatic turn in this story and in a dramatic turn in how they're thinking about all of that. And he takes, takes and places a child before them. And Jesus says something. But as is often the case, what Jesus says matters less, especially in this case, than what he does. He takes and places before them a child. Now, here's something we've got to get to grasp this story. A child in Jesus' day was not sentimental. Instead, a child was represented two things at least. A child was vulnerable and short. So the story has a very precise moral. Be humble and get grounded. Get grounded, get closer to the ground, get shorter, and notice what's down there. And be humble. Humble is a word that relates to the humus, the ground. And I'm reminded of of Paul Tillich's recovery of an ancient image for God, the ground of being. Get grounded, get shorter, be humble. Now, it's often the case in these gospel readings that it's tempting to become fixated, especially upon these 12 apostles in their ignorance and confusion and just terrible timing. It's tempting even to become fixated on Jesus' solution to their ignorance. But the point of so many of these stories, and especially this one, is not to think about them, but to think about ourselves and not to think about the past but the world as it is today and is there a way in which humility is something that we need desperately and has relevance at every level of society so i found myself thinking about dag hammarskjöld dag hammarskjöld was a swede and an economist. And he had a big hand in the Paris conference in developing the Marshall Plan, which saved the Western European economies after World War II. And it's in part because of that work that in 1953, Hammarskjöld, surprisingly, was elected to be the Secretary General of the United Nations. An enormously important tenure. He hit it off quickly and perhaps surprisingly, 
with President Eisenhower. Do you remember this? It was Hammarskjöld that was sent uh, by the UN with, with Eisenhower's blessing to go to China and to negotiate the release of American troops who'd been captured by China during the Korean War. And Hammarskjöld did that brilliantly and became much beloved by the American people. And even when he and Eisenhower had disagreements, they had great respect for one another. It was during Hammarskjöld's tenure that the United Nations exploded in terms of membership of the UN. It was during Hammarskjöld's tenure that we were at the height of the Cold War and all of that tension. It was in the middle of the Cold War that Hammarskjöld argued that international civil servants should always, it's a calling, an international civil servant should be above national interests, paying attention to the whole. He was also a great pragmatist, um, and he was the one who helped the UN invent what they called, and what's only an oxymoron or at best a paradox, armed peacekeeping missions that were very, very successful. He died tragically in a plane crash, and in 1961, posthumously, was given the Nobel Peace Prize. And it was after his death that his estate released his journal called Markings. Read it. It shows the depth of soul and psyche of someone who was doing remarkable public things, but had this wellspring of wisdom and this inner life of richness that translated. Here's what he said about humility. Humility is as much the opposite of self-abasement as it is the opposite of self-aggrandizement. To be humble is not to be competitive. Secure in its own reality, secure in its own reality, the self is neither greater nor worse, neither bigger nor smaller than anything else in the universe. You may say that again. To be humble is not to be competitive. I realize when I give an example like that, that it's, it's awfully big. So when I think just for a moment about smaller, but nonetheless important ways in which we live humble lives. So I think about a related virtue, literally related, humor. It was an Archbishop of Canterbury who said once, if you don't have a sense of humor, you don't have a sense of proportion and you should never be put in charge of anything. (laughs) With the National Vergers Conference here, I will add, if you don't have a sense of humor, you should never, ever be put in charge of the liturgy. (laughs) Think about how within a liturgy, think about how within a conversation, think about how at the right moment... Laughing with someone, not at, laughing with someone just just opens everything up. Think about a graceful smile, just opens everything up. Think about just a wink or a nod or a gentle touch just, just opens and creates all this space. Humor and humility are twins. So... 
more humility, more peace, more humor, more grounded. In other words, more of God, the Holy Spirit, whose breath is within each and every one of us. There really is no need for competition.